All right, we're going to do a really quick uh, format today. I say quick. I always say quick. Uh, I can't guarantee it to be quick. I've got about three pages, I guess. Uh, yeah. yeah, I've got three pages of just news headlines, news insights, things that I literally just scrolled through uh, earlier today. And uh, I'm going to use this as the first of a new set of uh of items that I'm going to do, new episodes that I'm basically just going to be referring to as my daily constitutional. And I can't guarantee I'll be doing it every day, but uh, as events come up and as things are important and essential, uh, in my opinion, to cover, I will be covering them. Now, these are going to be entitled um, daily constitutionals because they are going to be, as I walk through my social media and my news items and things through the day, and uh, I'm going to jot down really quickly highlights of those Items and they're going to come off rather random. I, I am confessing that they are going to appear random, and uh, I'm not going to present them in any particular order. I'm not putting them together by topic, at least not today. I'm not. I may do that in the future if they just happen to, to work that way. But these could be items that have run across that that honestly have piqued my interest in some way. Either I found them humorous, I find them disturbing. They uh, validated certain things that I've talked about in the past or things that I plan on talking about, or they're items, I think, that need to be brought to our attention for us to pay attention to them and maybe research them a little bit more later on. Whatever the reason, they are going to be random uh, in, in the way that I see them as random. The only way it can be even more random is if I literally just went live and just started scrolling through my social media posts and just started talking about the things that are in there. But I don't think you want me doing that. That sounds more like something you want uh, an 18-year-old to do uh, as a social influencer. And I am by far not that in any way whatsoever. So here we go. And I again, I cannot guarantee the length of this video. And I cannot guarantee you will not be offended by the content in this video. And I am not automatically going to be expressing these items on here as a commentary on agreement or disagreement on these things. Unless you hear me specifically say, this is how I feel about it, you may not know how I feel about it. So please don't comment making claims that I'm supporting this or that unless I actually say that I'm supporting this or that. Okay? Be mature enough to acknowledge that part. All right. The very first thing off of my list, the very first thing I ran into today was uh, something that, that really is it's geared toward Texas specifically, but I know that it's going to affect the world in, in large, and uh, I know that apparently it was worthy enough for a Washington, D.C. journalist to pick up on the story. So it's not we're not in Vegas. I mean, what happens in Texas happens or is a, it goes and spreads everywhere. So this first item was actually from a September 2nd article about the defense bill that is heading to the floor. You know, this is, uh, I'm just going to read part of this. Representative Mark VC or VZ, I don't know how you say his last name. He's a Texas representative in District 33. He's a member of the House Armed Services Committee. Now, I didn't even know we had a House Armed Services Committee, but we do. Okay. And he applauded, on September 2nd, he applauded the House Armed Services Committee's bipartisan passage of H.R. 4350. Okay? And the claim is that it's a national defense bill. And 
the short version of it, of what, of what caught my attention, is that there's one particular item in here that he was just particularly elated about because it's his baby. It's the thing he made sure was in this bill. And it's about this countering extremism in the Armed Forces Act. Let me say that again. <laughs> it's uh, Keefville, Keoff, I guess, C-E-A-F Act. Okay. And it is the Countering Extremism in the Armed Forces Act. Now, it, it, here's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to establish an office of countering extremism to develop and oversee policy in addressing extremism. It prohibits membership in an extremist organization for members of the armed services. And it gives the Secretary of Defense authority to utilize social media um, in a way of countering it. Okay? Now, think about how scary that is. Okay? <laughs> this is a portion of a bill where if the Department of Defense or the Armed Forces or members thereof deem something to be extremist behavior, then they can go in and ding it and, and isolate it and remove it and so forth in the armed forces. Now, <laughs> they don't define extremism, all right? They don't define it. And, and the claim is that this is going to go into effect in 22, that it's a bipartisan legislation, and they, they say that it represents commitment to our, our service members, their families, and our national security. Quote, this year's legislation also advances key priorities that I have long supported, like rooting out extremism in our military, ensuring our nation's service members get properly paid for their service, and securing investments to help job growth in our North Texas defense sector. As this year's NDAA now moves to the floor, I look forward to getting this bipartisan legislation passed and signed into law. Okay. Now, I don't have a problem with the part of making sure that our armed services uh, members are properly paid. Okay. That's not the argument. But I find it interesting that he throws that portion in there when really what he's excited about is this extremism thing. And what I want to know is who defines this extremism. What kind of extremism are we talking about? Are we talking about Antifa extremism or are we talking about um, pro-Trump extremism? I think that's really what we're talking about, but they don't want to word it that way. They're not going to have a problem with people being extremely extreme in their extremism when it comes to things that are liberal. I don't believe that that's how it's going to work. I don't think you're going to find extremely liberal individuals that are in the armed service that are suddenly going to get their uh, limp wrists slapped because of their activity. I think you're going to get extremely pro-conservative people labeled as extremists, and I think you're going to get them not just slapped on the wrist, but removed from their active duty. I think that's really where this is going, and unfortunately, it's being led by Texas. Okay, and, and not Texas in general. I mean, understand this is a very large state. Uh, I'm not talking about the state in general. I'm talking about these these kind of little crazy little things where they throw this little little thing in there and they generically put a term out there like, you know, we want to counter extremism, and they leave it like that. 
they know that it can be used in any way that they deem worthy. Okay? But when we, when we hear somebody talk about how we need to limit the, uh, the extremism uh, found in our culture, how often are people actually referring to extreme conservatism? Very rare. I mean, I mean, you know what I mean? Extreme. I'm talking about like uh, deliverance kind of extreme, southern, deep southern, you know, cousin meet, you know, marrying cousin kind of thing. That's what they want you to see and think about. But really what they mean by extreme just means anything that's not liberal. Today's definition of extreme means anything that's not liberal. It just does. Any form of conservatism really is seen as too much conservatism. And there are people in that consider themselves conservative, and they are, that would see me as a liberal. So I, I understand there is there is a right beyond the right in the leanings that people have. I get that. And there are people that are so extreme they would get rid of every culture except their own and those type of things. So there are people that lean extremely heavy on the right side just like there are people who lean extremely heavy on the left. Okay? You can't have an extreme one end and not have an extreme the other. It's just the way the spectrums work. And, and so I know that there are people like that. But they're only looking in bills like this, they're only looking to target only the people that lean toward the right. They're not going to target any of the people that lean toward the left. I mean, if you're going to go extreme, let's talk about uh, our tax dollars paying for the transgender uh, surgeries, medicines, procedures, things of that nature within the military. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about our tax dollars being spent to do that type of thing. Now, I would love to see, and somebody may be able to prove this to me, and I hope that they can, that there are funds within our tax dollars that go to the armed services that help promote ministries in the military, that help promote conservatism in the military, that help promote evangelism in a Christian faith in the military. I would love to see that, and if it exists, I want to know that it does, and I will broadcast that it does. But I doubt very specifically in this case, that that's what you're going to be seeing. You'll be seeing extremism is anything that is not liberal, anything that opposes the uh, the transgender, uh, you know, anything that uh, appears even remotely as homophobic and things of that nature. All of those things are going to be considered extremism. So that's that item, okay? And uh, and I will move away from that. I'll, I'll move on from there. Um. Then there's Christy Kane, and, and I, I don't have anything to post, and of course this is a podcast, so I don't need you seeing anything anyway on this one, but uh, <laughs> I, for those of you that don't know my, my feelings about Christine Kane um, and so many other of the, uh, the California so-called ministries, if you haven't you haven't heard my conversations that I've had uh, with various other figures, uh, <laughs> you, you you don't understand where I am with her. Christine Kane is uh, she's a false prophet in uh, in a particular sense for certain. She does not represent what she claims she represents, and she just doesn't. And I I don't say that just being flippant. I say that based off of people that I know that have had the unfortunate. Uh, Opportunity to work with her or amongst her, and uh, and have seen firsthand the things that are going on. And so, 
<laughs> I come by it honest when I say that the woman is a charlatan. She really is. And uh, but the latest <laughs> the latest post that she sent out some kind of a live thing, and it's long, and I'm not reading it or whatever. But I mean, she's got her hair slicked back, and and uh, and, and I'm going to come off like a bigot here. I really am. I'm going to come off like a, a male chauvinist. Um, she's not the most attractive human being on the planet. Okay, she's just not. She's not even remotely even close. The woman looks like a man more than she looks like a woman most of the time. And I do have a problem with that when. It's something that you're choosing to do. Uh, she chooses to look the way that she does most of the time, and uh, you know that's not any different than a man who chooses to look effeminate. Okay, you're making that choice to look like a woman, uh, like the intern there in the White House. You're making those choices to look that way, and there's something wrong with that. There's some. There's a mental illness in that. There is, and I. You're never going to be able to convince me that transgenderism. Uh, transvesti- uh, transvestite type of mentality, cross-dressing mentality, you're never going to convince me that any of that stuff is normal and sane. You're just not, okay? And we're going to have to agree to disagree on that matter every time. I will go to my grave with that one because I do not believe that it is scripturally sound. And uh, so I have a problem with that. I have a problem with men who try to look like women and I have a problem with women who try to look like men. And I have a problem with people who tell me that I shouldn't have a problem with it, because I do, and I should. And it is scriptural to fight against that type of thing. We are not supposed to go against our nature. And don't even try in the comments to come in and say, well, their nature is... No, 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 no. No, they are biologically created in a particular way. God, in his divine creation, created within the nature to be a woman if they're a woman and a man if they're a man. Period. Anything else that you do with that is a disorder of some kind. It's a rebellion against the standards of God. And it is, in its own level, a mental illness. Period. If you don't like it, don't listen to my program. Because you're not going to get anything other than that from me. (coughs) Excuse me. That's just where it is. Now, the latest video that she sent out has her hair slicked back. I mean, really, like intensely moose slicked back, short and stubby. And she's in your face in this all-black get-up and this really bizarre uh, helix kind of a painting behind her and all that kind of thing. And she just looks like Marina Abramovich it has somehow cross-mutated with one of Robert Palmer's dance girls. Um, and for those of you that are old enough to remember the 80s and remember Robert Palmer and his, his all-female band, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. It is nasty and it is vile. And it is anything but what a, a person of God is supposed to represent. But here she is. And I, I just throw that out there because I saw it. Actually, I didn't just see it. It was actually something that was sent to me uh, by a very beloved friend. And she was going, look at this. This is disgusting. And, and it is. It is. It's, and yet she claims she represents ministry, word of God, that she represents anti-trafficking and things of that nature. And yet there's, there's very, very little evidence that she is truly of this nature. And, uh, and then you see her trying her best to look as, as masculine as she possibly can. And uh, it's just gross. She just looks slicked back and oily. But, again, that's just my take on it. Okay, then you have a 
like I said, these are all very random, and you're going to notice these are in very strange order. Then you have a report, and this is from Breitbart. Okay, this is actually from a news source, and um, <laughs> I laugh at this only because you know I have I have enjoyed watching. I've read some of the books. I've watched all of the movies. Um, I had a battle with my ex-wife years ago over whether our children should see the films or not. Uh, and at the time, I agreed with her. You know, as I've gotten older, I'm like, you know what? There is so much extremely worse content out there than this. But uh, I have enjoyed in my lifetime. I've enjoyed the Harry Potter series. I have, um, and I admit that. And I know I'm going to get some fight back on that. So it's so de demonic. Well. There's a lot of things that are very demonic, but I don't look at it going, oh, I believe in all this stuff and I want to do the conjuring. And I'm, I'm not that kind of a thing. It's just, it's fantasy entertainment, not unlike fantasies that we've had throughout my lifetime, the lifetime of my parents, and so forth, uh, with just fairy tales. And, and yes, I understand that fairy tales can be taken too far, and I get all of that, okay? And I'm not trying to make some kind of an argument. I'm not trying to promote Harry Potter or anything of that nature. But, I am going to say this. I'm also not pleased that paid people working in the White House are wasting their time, apparently on the clock, on Harry Potter-related stuff. Okay? That's the real argument. I'm not judging them for liking Harry Potter. I'm judging them from doing it on the clock. And here's the report. that The White House staffers play a form of Harry Potter stuff, okay, while Biden is ignoring the stuff going on in Afghanistan, right, while he's trying, trying to claim this huge success and all that stuff, they're, they're busy going online and it, apparently, again, this is within the White House staff, this isn't just people that work at the White House just happen to on their own leisure time to do these things, apparently they're using on the clock tax dollar time to go online and find their ideal Patronus that represents them. Now, for those of you who don't know the Harry Potter uh, literature, the, the, the fantasy, the world that is there, a Patronus is supposed to be this, this item. It's, it's, a, it's a totem. I mean, it is. It's, it's, it's very pagan, but it's, the, it's very occultic. Uh, but it's this idea of this symbol that is, and, and people would refer to it as their spirit animal, in J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter world, the Patronus is their spirit animal. Okay, it's this thing that appears to protect them against the evil spirits and that kind of stuff. Okay, so you've got White House staff that are using company time, tax dollar time, to look up what their own Patronus would be or is. And they're using this to con to go back and forth. And they've actually dressed up and done things in White House or in government property time um, celebrating this stuff. Okay. Now, there's a couple of problems here. It, it, take the witchcraft part of it out of it. Take all of that element away from it. Okay. And turn it into anything else you want to turn it into. No White House tax dollar funded time should be spent having them play games of make-believe in any form, period. It's not what we have them there for. They are not there to play hide-and-seek with each other. They're not there 
to uh, to make funny little videos, to go out there and do TikTok. They're not they're not there for those purposes. When they're on work hours, they're on our money's time, and they should be doing the the business of the government, and they should be doing the business of the of the people. They should not be looking up their patronuses and dressing up and doing mock whatevers on our dime. Period. And I don't care what administration that is. If I had heard this was going on during the uh, Donald Trump administration, I would be just as offended by it. It's nonsense. What you do on your own, and this goes into so many years, and it goes into the article I've already covered about the whole transgender stuff and all that kind of stuff. You know what? What you do in your own home or what you do on your own time, um, I may not personally approve it. I may not be one that would carry along with you in it. But if you do it on your own and you leave it to your own business, it is your business. But when you put it in the forefront or you require me somehow to pay for a portion of you participating in that, which is exactly what's happening in the White House staff, anything they do when they're in that building is being done on our tax dollars. We are paying for whatever activity they are spending time doing in a government facility. Period. And so that time should not be spent playing games. End of story. But that's something that's currently being done. I mean, and, and is it geekish? Yes. Is it childish? Yes. Regardless of what it's, it could be. They all decided to see what Peanuts character they are. It, it, it's not about that or which Muppet character they are whatever it doesn't really it, it's not about what it is it's the fact that they're doing it on company time and it's incredibly unprofessional then you take the extra leap in there and go with all the garbage that's going on right now in the United States over in the Middle East that we are personally responsible for we're playing games Seven months into an administration, any administration, you should not be playing games when this other stuff is going on out there. Period. You've got a healthy economy. You've got a healthy international foreign policy going on. You've got a healthy interaction amongst the people. You've got no rioting going on. Um, you have no so-called pandemic or vaccine issues. or any, You have none of that going on you know what, we might entertain you having some fun here and there because we're enjoying and celebrating together the successes of our nation. Our nation is not being successful right now. And truthfully, it hasn't been for a very long time, but it's especially not successful right now during these seven-plus months that we have experienced. This is not a time for game playing, and certainly not on taxpayer, taxpayer time. So there's that. All right. Then there is... Um, this is kind of crazy. There is an article that has come out from Gateway Pundit. Again, another news source that is considered reputable. And uh, it's, an, it's from an article by Larry Johnson. And it was published on the 8th. Okay, it was just published yesterday. Uh, last night, to be exact. And the article title reads, CDC changes definition of vaccine vindicates Alex uh, Berenson. Now, Alex Berenson is a guy who got removed off of Twitter because he had posted that the vaccine uh, does not, um, I'm trying to remember how it's worded exactly, he, he basically indicated that the vaccines do not create immunity, 
okay? And he was removed for uh, posting disinformation, okay? And then now what's come out is that the CDC has actually changed on their website. They've actually changed the definition of the word vaccine and Here's where it was. Here's what the original was. The original definition was for vaccine was a product that stimulates a person's immune system to produce immunity to a specific disease. I'm going to say that again. The old definition of vaccine, according to the CDC, was a product that stimulates a person's immune system to produce immunity to a specific disease. Now, by connection with that, vaccination was under the old definition, the act of introducing a vaccine into the body to produce immunity to a specific disease. Okay? So a vaccine was intended to produce the immunity itself to the disease. That's what it was supposed to do. Okay? According to the old definition of it. Okay? It's supposed to produce immunity to a specific disease. Well, then they ran into a problem because the problem is that COVID-19 is technically not a disease. <laughs> okay, It causes a variety of other diseases. You see where this is? See, this is one of, one of the problems. No vaccine is ever going to correct COVID because COVID is not a single disease. It is it helps produce a variety of diseases in people. That's why you have all these different symptoms, all these different things that happen. That's why it happens so differently in every person that gets it because it is kind of kick-starting problems in people's systems and it does it differently based off of the individual. Okay. Well, the CDC director admitted that the effectiveness of the COVID-19 vaccines are quote-unquote waning. Okay, and now, rather than admit that the COVID vaccine is not working as advertised, the CDC goes out there and they decide they're going to change the definition of the word vaccine. So they're going to use new language. They're going to spin it off into a new form so that their findings can now match up with their definitions. Okay, here's the new definition of vaccine. Now, remember, the old one was that it was supposed to help create a, an immunity to a specific disease. Here's the new definition. It is a preparation that is used to stimulate the body's immune response against diseases. So again, here it is. New definition. A vaccine is a preparation that is used to stimulate the body's immune response against diseases. In other words, it's nothing more than just intended to be. A vaccine now is just a booster. That's all it is. It's supposed to just kind of kick you in the right direction. That's all it is. We're going to get you started. Now, we're not going to actually lead you down the road of health, but we're going to kickstart your body into moving into that area so that your body will have an immune response. An immune response. That's like saying a, uh, a recently dead body showed response when really what that means is the body is going through its stages of mortification and in that process it goes from rigidity to lucidity and all those different things that happen it goes from being rigid okay to limp the body goes through a stage after a certain point of death where it gets stiff and then after a certain period of time that stiffness leaves 
that dead body. The body itself is not still alive. It is going through the process of decay. But that is a response. So this new definition of vaccine is not unlike that. It's saying that it's not a vaccine doesn't actually push your body into immunity. It it helps kind of stimulate the body's immune response. In other words, it wakes it up and says, Hey, by the way, you've got something wrong with you. You might want to check into that. Okay, well, you got a chance. Okay, love you. Peace out. And then it moves on. That's their new definition. It's just meant to just stimulate the body to respond in some way. That's it. That's all it's supposed to do. Now, this looks at people like Alex Berenson, who was removed from Twitter, it validates their statements because his statement was simply that he was correct. It does not produce immunity. This vaccine does not produce immunity. It it supposedly stimulates the body to have an immune response. It doesn't produce immunity. Okay. All right. I told you this would be random, and I also told you that it would be on a soapbox. Now, my personal opinion, here's where I'm going to throw that in there. The whole virus thing is a total crock. Now, for those of you that followed me a couple of years ago, particularly at the beginning of all of this, a year and a half ago, and I had a number of people that dropped their followers, you know, their followership from me on Instagram um, and, and sent me nasty comments and all kinds of stuff because of my response. They misunderstood me. I never once said that there was not an item, that there wasn't a virus that existed. What I said was I did not believe that it was a pandemic-worthy item. I did not believe that it was going to sweep the world with this disease. I never believed that it was ever going to have a mass spread, and I still don't buy that. It never did. It didn't spread any more than your standard yearly flus do. And when you couple the fact that the vast majority of the flu cases disappeared off of the records in the last year, year and a half, while the same, almost the same average number that disappeared off of your normal average influenza list showed up on your COVID list instead, you begin to look at that and go, hmm, maybe all we did is do a Ross Perot. And uh, again, I'm dating myself on this, but a Ross Perot means you jump in and you mess up the normal order of things. Instead of you actually helping the system out, you hurt it. Ross Perot stepped in as a third independent candidate during uh, the Bush-Clinton election cycle. And not that I am a fan of H.W. Bush, because I'm not. Okay, But what happened was Ross Perot stepped in as an independent, but he really was a Republican. But he ran independent. As a result, he took a number of votes away from the other two candidates. Well, it shows up that almost to the, to the penny, okay, almost to the single ballot, um, the number of votes he gained were the number of votes that Bush lost by to Clinton. So when I say that it's a Perot kind of a thing, it's 
it didn't help the system out as far as for Republicans it hurt them having Ross Perot in there. For the Democrats, it I mean it helped only in the sense that it hurt the Republicans. It didn't help the Democrats. See, it didn't take votes from Clinton, it just took votes from Bush. And it may be that Ross Perot intended to do that from the very beginning. I think that's very, 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 very possible that was his intention. Okay. But I use that as an example. I think what we've got here is we've got an example of COVID-19 is the Ross Perot of his situation. COVID-19 removed, transferred over the number of flu people from flu to COVID. Has many of the same symptoms, most of the same symptoms that severe influenza can have. There are many doctors out there that if they're they're being honest, they're not being recorded, they're not being reported somewhere, they're just talking one-on-one -on -one with you, will admit that, yes, it's it's pretty much a flu. It has a lot of the symptoms of the flu. It, it, it pretty much appears to be a flu. Not that flus can't be deadly, because they can, but that's just it. The number of deaths dropped drastically in flus within the last year, almost exactly to the number of COVID deaths that rose up out of nowhere. So you kind of make those connections in there. You you would have an increase of death in general if one wasn't stealing from the other. See, I mean, it doesn't make sense. Worldwide, you would have a, an increase in death in general because you'd still have a high percentage of influenza deaths like you do every year, and then you would have to add on top of that the COVID deaths. But instead what you have is you have an, this appearance of COVID numbers and a disappearance of flu numbers that almost exactly correlate between the two on average for an average year. Anyway, I say all that and I, I move on. Now, next item. Okay, there is uh, one of the things that really bothers me, and this is really more of an overview, really. Scrolling through stuff, seeing things on there, and seeing that, you know, they're talking about the infrastructure bill. Everybody's talking about the infrastructure bill, all this stuff. You know, Democrats want to push this through, push this through, push this through. And, uh, and you've got all these people suddenly on the GOP that are fighting such a thing, but they weren't fighting it under Trump, and they weren't fighting it in past years. They're fighting it now. Okay, it's like, okay, now you gain a backbone. After you've lost your power, you gain a backbone in some way. And I don't even believe that it's a real backbone then. I think it's just a fake plastic one that you're holding to the side like a skeleton in a medical clinic. Um, I don't think they really have a real spine. I think that they're just projecting themselves in hopes that they will keep their positions come 22. And then, like Lindsey Graham, they're going to abandon the purpose after they've been reelected. That's that's really where they stand. But this in infrastructure bill is insane, mainly because it has nothing really to do with infrastructure. Infrastructure now has been completely redefined as well, just like the CDC redefining the word vaccine. The government is redefining the term infrastructure so that it includes terms like soft infrastructure or human infrastructure. Okay, the last time I checked, we don't make bridges out of human beings. At least not here. Uh, maybe the Germans did back during World War II. I don't know. But I know we, there, I, 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 the last thing I, last time I checked, my lampshades aren't making out of, made out of human skin, so I don't think we do that kind of thing over here now. Some small body somewhere probably does, but human infrastructure that, that it's nonsensical infrastructure is literally construction it's roads it's buildings it's facilities it is not people 
People are not part of the infrastructure. You do not physically build the nation with human bodies. It's just ridiculous. But they throw these terms out there that mean nothing, and then they slap a $4 trillion price tag on it, and they go, yes, we understand that we just spent $3 trillion yesterday, and we're, we spent $2 trillion the day before that, and we're projecting a $6 trillion down the road, but we want you to pass this $4 trillion right now based off of the terms that mean nothing, dollars that have no rational designation for them, so that we can continue to fund nations like Afghanistan that's now run by the Taliban, while we leave people stranded, missionaries, kids on field trips, just general American citizens, we leave them stranded over there, we let them get killed, but let's make up terms like human infrastructure or soft infrastructure and slap a $4 trillion bill on it and then turn around and claim that it was the Trump administration that ran our debt up. So they want you to forget. They, they want a whole generation to forget that during the eight years under the Obama administration, the federal deficit was doubled. It was doubled. Okay, and I don't remember the exact numbers. I think when Trump came in office, we were somewhere around between the 18 and $20 trillion mark, somewhere in that neighborhood. And when Obama took office, we were somewhere in the neighborhood of around 8 to $9 trillion. We doubled the national debt during the eight years of Obama. It doesn't really matter who the president is. During eight years of a particular term, we doubled the debt. And then for anyone, oh, and then during the four years of Trump, Congress just kept passing more spending bills, and then they threw the COVID thing at us and threw even more spending bills out there. And then they look at it afterwards and they go, look at the debt that we're in. That's because of the previous administration. No, it's because of previous administrations. Every administration adds to the debt. Everyone does. There was a point where Clinton almost didn't, and then he messed up and he did. But the, the way that that works on paper is that, see, he took credit for certain things that took place during the previous administration and blamed the previous administration for other things. Sound familiar? Yeah, I know. And they all do it. I mean, Trump took you know, responsibility for some things and blamed the previous administration for others. Well, they all do it. Okay? And there's some truth to all of it. There is. There's some truth to that because there's overlap. You elect somebody in November. They don't take office until late January. And then you've got Congress to deal with. The person who sits behind the, the desk in the Oval Office doesn't run all of the show. I mean, you, you know that by now, surely. You particularly have to know it now. The very things that you feared were going to happen in four years under Trump have already been played out and are happening in reality now within the first half year of the Biden administration. It is not the man sitting behind the desk, though, that is 100% responsible for it. It is Congress in general. It is the machine in general that's responsible for this stuff. And I find it interesting that all these walls came up against the White House for four years, including walls that were consisting of GOP members 
I guess that would be the human infrastructure, would be the, the government members themselves standing in the way of progress. You have that wall go up then, and then that wall has just disappeared now that you've got a Democrat in the White House, including with the GOP. So is the GOP really that different? No. No. You've got establishment versus anti-establishment. You've got career politician versus non-career politician. You've got reasons why things happen the way that they happen. Okay? And I'm not a supporter of the vaccines. I do not believe that we need to put them into place. And uh, and I have a series of people that would argue with me that, that, that Trump had no choice. He had to do what he had to do. He would have been doomed either way. So you're telling me that fewer people would have voted for Trump if he had stood up and said, no, we're not going to do a vaccine. We're not going to rush a vaccine through. You're, you're really telling me that. Because, see, the vaccine, obviously, these vaccines didn't help. They're not helping. They're really not helping. When the vast majority of the people that are in hospital right now with COVID-related illness or other factors like that are vaccinated people. The vast majority of them are. Hence the reason why, and I'm kind of jumping ahead of some of my news items, hence the reason why you're seeing so much news around the world about uh, issues of we're no longer going to take people in our hospital that haven't been vaccinated. Well, hello, why is your hospital being filled up? Why are your beds being filled up by people that are vaccinated if the vaccine worked? Explain that one to me, please. See, because you only want to fix the people that you've screwed up, see. And they don't even want to fix them. They just want to get the financial kickback for having them in there and take, trying to take care of them. And then they want to inject them with more experimental things, just like they want that daily pill that will take more than once a day in case needed um, to try and stabilize the symptoms of the vaccine. Yeah, they don't want to talk about that, but that's where they're heading. A daily pill, and I'm sure it'll be, I, who knows? I mean, it could be, it'll be either extremely expensive to bankrupt people or to be handed out like candy. One of the two. I, you know what I'm saying? It could work either way. It works to the government's advantage either way. Anyway, this infrastructure bill, $4 trillion, is just the latest massive amount of zeros put onto a ledger somewhere that nobody is ever going to try to balance. Now, does our national debt really matter? <coughs> Excuse me. No, I don't think it does. <laughs> I really don't. I don't think it really matters because it's not real money. It's fake money. It would be like you sitting around uh, a table with your family and you're playing Monopoly. Um, I mean, do you really put somebody into debt because they owe you money in Monopoly? I mean, really? Honestly? I mean, is there a real jail for that? I mean, do, do your family members not get to talk to you for a while? You have to be isolated for a few months? Debtor's prison? Because you lost in the game of Monopoly? Of course not. It's a game. Our, our economy, it's a game. You, you should know that by now. You labor for other people so that you can exchange it for other things and they want you to exchange it for things that you desire so that you will forget the fact that you're laboring for other people. That's really the structure of this. Now, I'm not being anti-capitalist. I'm just indicating. I mean, you have to acknowledge what it is. Money itself really has no real meaning. It's just an exchange of services is all it is. Now, when you get to the point where your governing system wants to give you money without an exchange of services, 
then you run into issues, and that's where we are. We are now handing out money and asking nothing in return except for see, the, 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 the bill is coming in. They're, they're finally slotting that tray over to us, and they're saying, oh, here's your, here's your bill. The bill is that you've got to vote for the things that we want you to vote for, or you've got to ignore us voting for you, or you've got to comply with the things we want you to comply with. And that's your way of paying us back for all the things that we've given you, which wasn't theirs to give in the first place. It was ours, and we handed it over to them. But, of course, that's all part of socialism. Do I digress, or am I just getting a little too deep? So we've got that. So I'll move on. Eric Trump. <clears throat> Eric Trump now is having to debunk uh, claims that he has documents, that he has proof, evidence, that he is going to present soon that will oust Biden out of the White House. So he had to go out there and make a comment, no, there is no truth to this. This is all just fake news. It's all just stuff that's out there. Okay, I'm going to say this to the Q-type community that is out there. Folks, I cannot say it enough. There, I don't know that there's any particular person, family or otherwise, that you can point to and say, they're the White House. They're the good guys. They all have their issues. They all have their stuff that goes on out there, okay? If there was a smoking gun, I mean, seriously, I mean, think about this. Give this some real rational, common sense kind of time. If there was a smoking gun that could have put Hillary Clinton in jail, could have totally exposed Jeffrey Epstein and all the people on his lists, or could have kept Biden out of the White House and kept Trump in the White House, don't you think that they would have produced that before all of these things happened? I mean, really? Okay? Those of you that are... You know, it's commendable on one level, but it's committable on another. You're really kind of testing your limits of sanity if you really believe that there is going to be a series of documents or exposures or things that are going to fix all of this mess. If you think you're going to see a perp walk with Hillary Clinton or the Epstein-listed people or... I mean, because there's new news about that coming out, too, and that's not one of my items today, but, I mean, there's new information of, you know, Bill Clinton being seen with some of his cronies, and then there's a new photo of Nancy Pelosi. That This is part of my list. There's a photo of Nancy Pelosi standing there uh, between Alex Soros and George Soros just over this last weekend. <coughs> talking too much lately. Sorry, folks. But she's standing between the two Soroses, junior and senior, just this past weekend. But you think anything's going to happen to any of those three people? Of course not. <laughs> I mean, it's, it is laughable because it's not going to happen. They're, it's not a reality. These people are not going to serve jail time. These people are not going to face the consequences of the things that they've done. They're just not because the system itself is a part of what they are a part of. And I've already made it very clear in previous uh, episodes about how the Supreme Court is not a healthy body. The Supreme Court is a body that is it has discovered, at least since 1971, has discovered that they are above the law. 
So if you think the Supreme Court's going to create justice where the system itself doesn't, you're a fool. They're not. But I do believe that Eric Trump is being truthful. I believe that he doesn't have any documentation and he's not trying to release any documentation. Just like I honestly believe that there's nothing that's going to come out that's going to vindicate the, 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 these people that have been victimized by the Clintons or by the Epsteins of the world. Um, I, I don't think that's going to happen. And I don't see... I don't see President 45 being reinstated into the White House as President 45. Now, he may decide to rerun in 24, and he may win that election. Those are possibilities. I mean, right now, and there's a lot of polls out there claiming that if the election were today between Biden and Trump, that Trump would win. But you know what? We were told that in vast numbers last year. Didn't happen. Now, it didn't happen probably because of corruption, but there may be other factors. But regardless, I do believe that Eric Trump is telling the truth. He doesn't have documentation that's going to come out and get Biden ousted out of the White House. He doesn't. And even if he did, he's not going to present it. Plain and simple. So we move on. AOC, and I've got to bring her up. I haven't talked about her in a very long time. I rarely even talk about her with friends and family. But AOC is she's an idiot. She's a moron, but she's a she's a pawn. She's a part of the whole system and everything. She's she's just uh, an over inflated, pedestalized, average, low education individual. That's it. She's not well educated, but. You know what? We've had people up in Congress, Congress that believe that Guam is going to flip over and, and capsize. It's going to capsize because of the shape of it. Um, we have people that have some really stupid ideas in Congress. So AOC is just amongst... It's just a younger version of some of these fools that have been up there for a long time. But her latest thing, of course, everybody's coming out now to attack the Texas heartbeat law. And uh, they're calling it the abortion law. It's not an abortion law. It's a heartbeat law. And even I've called it an abortion law. And it's not. It is, it's called the Texas heartbeat law, which means that once there's a heartbeat, which is determined at the six-week or earlier, then um, there is considered legitimacy of the fetus being considered a human. Okay? It, is, it may not be able to self-sustain at six weeks, but it has its own heartbeat its own separate heartbeat, and therefore, it should not be aborted. Okay, Now, I happen to agree with this, and there are people that will scream and shout in other directions. I have friends. <laughs> I have friends that are in total opposition to this. They think that they have set us back to the Stone Age, and uh, and I'm sorry. I don't approve of abortion. I don't, and the, and the argument that they make, <coughs> this is the funny thing, that one of the arguments that they make is, well, yeah, but in case of rape, did you know that the it's like 90-something percent of the abortions have nothing to do with assault in any form whatsoever. <laughs> okay? The vast majority of abortion does not take place because people were assaulted. The vast majority takes place because they regret having gotten pregnant from having had intercourse. 
There it is. 61 plus million abortions that we know of that have been performed in, I believe, I don't. I think it's just in Texas alone. I may be wrong about that. I, It may be across the nation. I don't know. But um, it's a vast number. But a very small percentage of them, a very small percentage of them, have uh, have actually been performed because of assault, meaning rape, okay, forced impregnation, that kind of thing, okay. The massive, massive majority of them have been because it was an inconvenience for the mother, or the father, or both. Because I'm, I'm not going to stand here and pretend that every abortion takes place because the mother wants it to happen. Sometimes it is because she is forced to do it by family members or by the assumed father or whatever. Circumstances have caused that to happen. Even I do believe there have been a, a probably a significant number of women who have had abortions not by choice. Okay, I will grant that. And it is a tragedy that that has happened. It's a tragedy for, the, for her because she may have wanted to be a mother See, it's a loss of her having that opportunity, but it's also obviously a tragedy for the baby that did not get to be born. I mean, you kind of have to think about some of these babies would be in their 40s. Let that soak in. They would be, they would be people almost as old as I am if they had been allowed to live. So, so there's all of that. Um, so I, I'm not making arguments in that direction in general, but AOC comes out and she makes her battle saying that the heartbeat law is an attack on, you know, wait on it, on menstruating persons. She can't even say it's an attack on women. She just says it's an attack on menstru menstruating persons. Now, she goes on to further de define that, you know, and yes, there are some, some women that, you know, that cannot menstruate, and there are, you know, some circumstances that don't allow them to and because of hysterectomies or cancers and things like that. And so, but she goes on and redefines it in such a way that really what she ends up saying is that, in other words, only actual biological women are capable of being pregnant and therefore are capable of menstruating. But regardless of the stupidity in the way that she words things and this attempt to remove the gender away from legitimate women and trying to somehow institute this huge level of commitment to believe that men with mental illnesses can be women too, she says that this heartbeat bill, which is intended to make sure that once a baby has a heartbeat, its life has the potential of being saved. They're given a fighting chance at that point. But she says it's an attack on menstruating persons. No, actually, it's a defense of the baby is what it is. But anyway, so I'll move on. Okay, now another thing. Over the weekend, over the Labor Day weekend, 900,000, I mean, yeah, 900,000 plus I'm assuming that this is pounds. It didn't say dollars, so it's weight. 900,000 pounds of cocaine and meth were confiscated at the border just over the Labor Day weekend. So the drug cartel is fat and happy once again, folks. 
fat and happy again. They are moving it through. And if it hadn't been for the fact that our illustrious border control had actually caught this stuff, and I don't know, I didn't read enough of the details to know how many different stings that required in order for that to be the case, but that's a lot of illicit drug. 900,000, like I said again, I'm assuming it's pounds, weightage, not dollar amounts, because I would imagine that really is not that significant, <clears throat> was confiscated, meaning how much more of it made it through. We don't know. We have no idea. Moving on, Arizona. <clears throat> you know, in the midst of Afghanistan and the move variant and all these different things that people are trying to get you to, to focus on in some way, the false flags that are out there that have caused people to die, and I do believe, unfortunately, that the way we left Afghanistan was definitely a false flag. It was intended to be a distraction away from the things that were being passed in Congress and a distraction away from the audits that were being performed around the nation. Okay? Um, and unfortunately, real people died, real people suffered, real situations happened. Now, because it was so botched, they're trying to get you back into focusing on other domestic things at this point because they don't want you to continue to focus on Afghanistan. Um, so they overplayed their hand, made people too angry, and now they're trying to reverse that by redirecting us somewhere else. But in the midst of all of that, Maricopa County's canvassing board, okay, so Maricopa County canvassing uh, in Arizona, they just reported audit findings. Okay, now it's not the definitive audit findings that we've been waiting for, the big report, but it is a report. And because this, again, this is the canvassing board that did this. They reported 173,104 lost votes and 96,389 ghost votes. So you've got almost 200, well, you've got an average of around 270,000 votes that they know were fraudulent in some way, misplaced, inappropriate, okay? Um, they were fraudulent. They were invalid. Almost a quarter, well, over, excuse me, can't do my math, uh, over a quarter of a million votes. And that's in one county. You have to remember that, okay? This is just one county doing this canvassing. This isn't the entire state of Arizona. This is just in that county. quarter of a million votes. Regardless of who those votes were for or against or whatever, it, that's not even the point. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm less concerned about what who ends up in the seats at the end of all of this audit as I am in the procedure of the, the way the votes took place. And you should be too. I'm upset because that much corruption is going on in our electoral system in general. Now, am I surprised by it? No, I, sadly enough, I'm not surprised by any of it. I doubt anybody listening to me is actually surprised by any of this. But it's just sad. It's just, it's the morality of the system is so... What, what happened to us being able, and I know there's levels of corruption since the very beginning, since the very first time people were 
pulling straws, voting for things, there's been some level of corruption, and I get that. And not not every election has corruption in it. There are there have been some honest events, okay. But it just saddens me to realize that we can't just let something play out ethically. <laughs> we just can't. We can't just leave it alone and let it happen the way that it's supposed to happen. Somebody's got to mess with it. Somebody's got to do something to try and, and tinker with it and tweak it in some way in hopes that it will, it will move to their side. And it doesn't matter what side of the aisle we're talking about. It really doesn't. Because they found corruption on the GOP side, just like they have the Democrat side. Okay, so they've they found fraudulent votes that have gone both ways. Now I know in the case of the 2020, when it comes to the national election, the presidential portion of it, especially, it has been drastically in the direction of the Democrat Party. It has massively the corrupted numbers have massively proven to side with the Democrat side over the Republican. So it's clear that the vast majority of the fraudulence that took place in the voting process was intended to sway votes to a Democratic candidate. But it's not 100% that direction. There was corruption on both sides. Can they do it? And, and would they do? I mean, would it even do any good to do an actual recount? I mean, not a recount, but a, a, a to throw it all out and do a new election. I think that would create all-out war. Honestly, I do. I think you would have... It would be the ugliest thing we've ever seen in American history. I, I do believe that. And uh, am I for leaving the people that are in offices, both local and national, uh, who shouldn't be there? Am I, am I for leaving them in there? No, I'm really not. But the chaos that it would create in an attempt to remove those people from those positions and prove every single one of those cases it would take the length of the term that they would have while they were in there, and we would be thrown into total chaos, which we're already in. So this, the system's already messed up, and the current problem that we have, already the ripples have already begun. You, you can't unripple those waves. They're already happening. Now, you can do things to help fight that happening in the future, and the, the the most the most recent one to deal with right now is going to be the California one with the governor. That, that's your big one right now. I mean, that's that's your first example of of multiple things. Can you get an election off safely and appropriately and ethically? And is it a reflection of where we're going to go next year with midterms? And it's almost scary to even admit, I mean, hearing myself say that next year is midterms, it's just mind-boggling because there's so much that's happened that it feels as if it's been longer than that. I feel like we, you know, next year ought to be the major one, but it's, it's not. I mean, it's just that much garbage has happened in just in a few months. Anyway, so I move on. Then you have Facebook. <clears throat> that is now having to come out and apologize. This one is weird to me, okay? F Facebook comes out and apologizes <laughs> that their artificial intelligence in their software, in their algorithms, used an inappropriate label <laughs> on a clip of black men. And here's basically, here's the general summary of what happened is there was a, there was a video that was being posted of black men assaulting white men 
okay, in whatever this event was, this thing. There was an altercation going on. There were black men assaulting white men. And I, I, I can't say that there weren't white men retaliating. Okay, I'm not here to talk about that. It's not even about that. The algorithm, the artificial intelligence algorithm, posted along with the video, you know how it'll say, do you want to see more of this? Do you want to see more kittens playing? Or do you want to see more, you know, gophers golfing? Or whatever, you know, this stupid stuff. The Facebook algorithm, the artificial intelligence, posted, do you want to keep seeing videos about primates? Now, remember, this was video of people fighting, black men fighting white men. And the artificial intelligence algorithm asked the people who were watching it if they wanted to keep watching videos, seeing videos about primates. So, Facebook has had to come out and apologize for their artificial intelligence improperly insulting um, a portion of the people in the video. And it is wrong. And it is degrading. And it is offensive. And... What I'm curious about is if they don't apologize for the algorithms that will block conservative thought, they won't apologize for that, which is ironic. Um, but they will, they will go out and, and put an apology for their algorithm doing an extremely racist profiling of the images of the people in the video. So somebody, and see, this is the funny thing about it, somebody had, and you realize this is real, somebody had to program that kind of recognition into the algorithm in the first place. It doesn't do it randomly. The algorithm had to have had something in it that had it recognize certain things so that it would project back that designation. So somebody programmed into their artificial intelligence, images of these things are primates. Now, it can be purely skin tone, and I get that, and I understand that, and I'm not trying to make arguments for or against that. Okay, And I'm not trying to be racist by making that comment. I'm not the one being racist. The algorithm was being racist. And I'm not laughing about it. I don't find it funny. I find it in incredibly offensive, just as I would find it offensive if it came back with something derogatory toward white men or women in general or whatever, or children. I would be offended by those things because I am offended by it not finding offenses in pedophilia, in transgenderism, in naked bodies, gyrating around underage children in parades. It doesn't have a problem with any of that kind of stuff doesn't block any of those kind of things, and I am terribly offended by that. But this is offensive too. It, it's just, it's wild. It's just yet another example that do we really need Facebook having algorithms that recognize what we're watching in the first place? I mean, really, do you really need Facebook to ask you if you want to watch more of what you're watching? Okay, there's an old line from a movie that's old now, but it's still very politically relevant. Dave. I love that movie. I really do. I love that movie because it, it tells some real truths, just like the old uh, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. They tell some political realities that are ageless. Unfortunately, they're ageless. This stuff is still there. But in the movie, Dave, there is, you know, there's reference to this type of stuff 
where do we there's a scene where he is working with the budget with his cabinet now for those of you who don't know the story of Dave Dave is a guy who's just an average citizen who happens to look like the president the president uh, has a major stroke they call this guy in to pretend to be the president while they hide the reality of what's happened to the real president and the pretend president is sitting in the cabinet meeting and he decides on his own to produce the need for a an adjustment to the budget so that they can keep some sh- homeless shelters protected okay, and funded. And in this, he has a discussion with one of the cabinet members about why in the world are we spending money on a campaign to help people feel better about a vehicle that they already have purchased. Why should we care whether they are happy with the purchase they have or not? And why should the U.S. citizens' money be spent making people feel better for something they've already bought when there are homeless shelters out there that could be shut down? It's it's that kind of a thing. It's not why are we spending the time and the effort and the money to create algorithms that evaluate the images that we post or view so that they can help promote us seeing more of those things or to block those things from us in the future by our will. Because here's the crazy thing about it. The last time I checked, if I am seeing something that I want to see, I will continue to hunt for those things. I don't need to be told to hunt for them. I will look for them. And if there are things that I am offended by, it doesn't take much for me to realize, you know what, I don't need to see any more of that, and I will walk away from that area. I will move on to something else. I'll change the search term so that it doesn't go in that direction. I mean, there are ways that I can self-regulate that. I don't need Facebook having a computer tell me, hey, do you want to see more of gophers playing golf? No, you know what? You stay out of what I'm watching, and I will determine if I want to see more of it or less of it. Of course, that's not any different than you walking down the street or driving down the street, and you've got business upon business being telling you on your social media, all over your phone, it's coming up on notifications, Do you did you enjoy your visit too? Even though all you may have done is walk past that business. It's an invasion of your privacy, but it's an invasion that you have allowed for. You've acknowledged it. You've said, okay, you're okay with it. And you say, well, no, I didn't approve that. Yeah, you really did. If you've got some kind of a social media account, in the fine print, it is saying that we have a right to govern where you go, what you do, and we alter our advertising based off of that information. Now, you can turn those features off to an extent. You can turn those things off, but you have to know where to go in the settings to do it. So legally, they're covered. The only problem is they go above and beyond that. And if you were to say, no, I don't want to see more of this, but they want you to see more of that, you're still going to see more of that. See? But anyway. Okay, so the next the next topic. <clears throat> Remember back a few months ago, just earlier in the summer, uh, Rand Paul was having a discussion with um, the beloved Fauci. And... Um, Fauci was claiming that Rand Paul was telling a lie, that he was a liar, that his information was false, that uh, Fauci's funded Wuhan lab did not have anything to do with the creating in any way whatsoever of, um, of anything relating to coronavirus and especially not the enhancing of the virus for human 
uh, injection or human exposure and so forth and all those kind of things. So he made all these kind of claims. And then now, now, now the, the evidence is coming out now saying that the Fauci-funded Wuhan lab actually did create novel coronavirus with enhanced pathogenicity for humans. So what Fauci said before Congress, before a committee board, and I understand that he did it under, I think he did it under oath. I believe that he did. It was certainly an assumed thing that he did it under oath. and that he, But he apparently created, he, he, he perjured. He sat right there before that committee spoke straight to Rand Paul and said that Rand Paul was a liar and that they did not do this, that his he was not a part of that. And yet documentation now, surprising enough, is coming out claiming that yes, he actually did, that this Fauci-funded lab did do these things. And I read elsewhere just this morning that uh, you know the scuttlebutt is now surfacing that maybe they really are looking, for, finally they are looking toward maybe soft-shoeing a, a release of Fauci from the public sector when it comes to the White House. Maybe. We'll see. Right in the middle of him making comments about the Mu variant and all that kind of stuff. But, again, I'll believe that when I see Hillary Clinton or Pelosi or any of these other folks uh, being perp-walked uh, on TV. Then I'll, then I'll believe that Fauci is going to be released from his position either. Now, Again, stepping on Trump voters, um, he was put in that committee and put into that position as the spokesman for this whole thing under the 45th president. Okay? Remember that. He was put in front of the podium. He stood beside President Trump and President Trump allowed him to address the nation on numerous occasions during all of this. Okay? He should have been removed then. But he wasn't. So, while everybody's screaming and shouting about Fauci and they don't like Fauci and all that kind of stuff, don't connect him with Biden. You need to connect him further back than that. Now, granted, he goes back several presidents. Okay, the guy goes back into at least at least the early 80s in the original AIDS epidemic when it comes to White House administrations. So he goes back at least to the Reagan era. He may go back to Carter. He certainly goes back to Bill Gates Sr. and the connecting points there. <clears throat> so don't go blaming the current administration for him being up there. He's been up there for a number of years and each administration, including the previous one, didn't oust him out. They kept him. And they allowed him to be their spokesperson for many, many things that have turned out to be very wrong. So, <clears throat> he should have been gone a long time ago. And if the reports are true, the claim is he is the highest paid... <laughs> this is crazy. He is the highest paid figure in D.C., from what I understand. He's not going anywhere. They're paying that man for a reason. He's doing the job that he is being paid to do. Okay? And if he's producing lies, producing confusion, 
countering things. He's doing it because he's because he's complicit in it, first of all, but also because he's being paid to do it. I'm not saying he doesn't believe it and he didn't buy into it, that he doesn't enjoy it. I'm not saying any of that. I'm not saying he's a good guy, and I'm not saying he's just a pawn either. Um, I know I think he's a high-functioning chess piece. I, I will give you that because he just goes back too far. Most pawns get get exposed eventually. We're not. We don't have that happening. I mean, all the exposure in the world happens to him, and he's like Teflon. He just keeps covering on. He's not going to be removed from anything. But the time to remove him would have been under the previous administration when this whole so-called pandemic started in the first place. He should never have been up there on the podium ever, ever. But he was. And once all this stuff began to expose him, he began to kind of double back on different issues and waffle on stuff. He should have been removed for certain then, but he wasn't. So, uh, again, before you scream too loud that Biden needs to get rid of him, um, President Trump should have never put him up there, but should have gotten rid of him at one point as well. So there's that. Okay, now moving on, considering things getting getting removed or, or that really should or shouldn't, uh, in Virginia, uh, over the last couple of days, the Robert E. Lee statue was removed from a park or something of that nature there in Virginia. And, um, the governor was all elated, standing there with video in front of the crane and all this, talking about this was a major move for uh, removing systemic racism. Oh, yes, removing a statue from a yard somewhere is a major move toward making people not racist. Absolutely. It just completely removes the racism away from the hearts and minds of the individuals because a statue is no longer present in a park. It's major. I mean, it's amazing the removing of an object or the blocking of an object somehow changes the hearts and minds of individuals. Um, But in Virginia, there's the thing, that Robert E. Lee's statue has been removed. Now, again, statues of all kinds of other figures maintain. I mean, we've got statues of Obama, we've got statues of Clinton, we've got statues of Martin Luther King Jr., and yes, I am going to poke at him for a moment, because for those of you that don't know... Um, And this takes us back to the heartbeat bill, actually. It takes us specifically to abortion. Margaret Sanger, founder of Planned Parenthood, it's well documented that she had an issue with particular races. And she wanted to see the annihilation, the removal, the stunning of the growth of certain populations. And uh, and I say that to be, try, try to be kind of, quiet about it without specifying because I can't say that she specifically said that uh, African Americans or that blacks should be removed but she did have a problem with certain ethnicities and she, you remember this is a woman who founded Planned Parenthood whose primary purpose is to prevent minorities because they, they house primarily these centers in minority areas they want to prevent minorities from being pregnant in the first place by giving them contraceptives and some kind of birth control. And if that still doesn't work, they provide abortions for them. That is what Planned Parenthood is about. Planned Parenthood, if it was just, you know, let's give you contraceptives, let's give you birth control in some way to help you prevent being pregnant in the first place, you know what? Okay, so be it. All right? But it's the other portion that they get the vast majority of their funding for, despite what you hear from the liberal agenda, is the aborting of those babies that their birth control didn't prevent. 
And again, these are vastly in minority areas. Now, that would seem suspect on its own, but then you add on top of that that its founder was somebody who believed that minority areas should be removed from the population. You kind of see where this happens. Let's prevent them from having children in the first place, or let's kill the babies uh, when we have the chance. <clears throat> it, it, it's, it couldn't be further from what the average minority wants to believe is being told to them by the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party claims that they are the party of the minority, that they are for equality, they are for all these things, and yet they promote a system that is intended to control and reduce, if not eliminate, their population. Okay, so I say all that. How does that connect in with the Robert E. Lee statue? Well, you, we should be removing Martin Luther King Jr. statues around the nation while we're at it, because he himself was presented with the Margaret Sanger Award, <laughs> the Margaret Sanger Peace Award was given to Martin Luther King Jr. and he proudly accepted it. Okay, so this figure that was supposed to be for civil rights and for boosting equality for the black community accepted an award from a woman who said that the black community, among other minorities, should be reduced or at least controlled in their population growth and then founded an abortion system to help make sure that that was happening. And this so-called minister of the cloth as well as of civil rights accepted her award. What do you really know about these people? I mean, really, and by these people, I mean these political and ministry figures that you have regarded for probably most, if not all, of your life. When you look at people and you go, how can you do this to your constituents? How can you do this to your congregation? How can you do this to your family, to your friends, to your neighborhoods, to your, so your society in general? And you see people of all colors that do these kind of things. They are, well, I mean, you see white people do it all the time. You see white liberals hating white existence. They look at Caucasians and it makes them sick. And it's like, you are the very thing that you claim you hate. And I don't understand how people can do that. Now, I despise the liberal mindset, regardless of what color the skin is, wrapped around that mental illness. But I, I do have, I have an especially strong distaste for white people who are against white people. And I have a strong, strong distaste for black people who are against black people. I do, I have a problem with that. Just like you should be proud to be a Christian, you should be proud to be able to, to call yourself a United States citizen because it does have its major advantages. It does. Over many countries, it has major advantages. So you should be proud to be an American, to have that citizenship, to be allowed to have some of those freedoms that we used to have that we're basically freely handing over now and, and, and abandoning, but we used to have. But you should be especially proud of your own heritage. And I, I agree with that. I just don't think that we should be shoving our heritage in the face of other people's heritage, claiming that they should respect our heritage more than theirs. 
But I also don't agree that somebody ought to shove somebody else's heritage in front of me and tell me that I should appreciate theirs more than mine. No. We should just respect each other in general. Period. You have your upbringing. I have my upbringing. We're going to have some common grounds and that's what really I want to focus on. My goal is to find common ground with you as a person. Period. That's, because otherwise we're not going to get along. And if we're not going to get along, why would we spend time with each other? It doesn't make any sense. And you hear people talk about, well, you need people in your life that create conflict. Really? Says who? I don't recall ever hearing anything rational that says that you should find people that upset you and spend time with them. <laughs> makes no sense whatsoever. Now, having said that, I don't think that has anything to do with race. I don't think it has anything to do with gender. I, I find it a whole lot easier, honestly, to sit at a table filled with women and have an honest, fun, engaged conversation with them than I do a lot of men. Partly because I think men don't like to get deep about things. Women definitely do in some ways. Now, the... the, the I'm not going to argue that there isn't light, meaningless conversation from either gender. I think sometimes men talk about things that it's like, what in the world are you talking about? Why? Why are you spending hours talking about that? It's worthless. Why do you spend time memorizing this, the, the, the statistics of sports figures? To me, that is, it's, just, it's a huge waste of time. But you know what? I'm sure they look at things that I do, things I spend time doing, and go, you know, why do you spend your time doing that? That's stupid. But that's just people. But I do find that I can sit at a table with women. I can have a better conversation with them most of the time than I can men. It doesn't mean that I'm anti-men. And it doesn't even mean that I'm necessarily more pro-women than men just means that I can communicate with him a little bit better. That's all. That's all it is. It's nothing to be proud of. It's just a reality. I, I really wish that I could sit down and have good conversation with men, but I think too often the testosterone gets in the way and men feel like they need to compete with each other over being men. And, and maybe that just comes from their feeling that they, they're inadequate because society has always told them they need to be the provider, they need to be this. No, what they just need to be is just a person. If you care for other people, you can be a good father. If you care for other people, you can be a good husband. If you care for other people, you can be a good citizen. Um, and you can be a failure at all those things and still be a good person. You just aren't good at that thing. And that, that, that happens. Of course, being good in any of those things is really kind of based off of the other person. Okay, um, you can do everything that, that one person would say you know what I would love that this person did this if they were my husband or they were my father and have the people that are really your spouse or really your children look at you and go I don't agree with anything you say I hate this individual it happens all the time there's something they're looking for that you're not providing and there's something that somebody else is looking for that they're seeing coming from you but unfortunately, you're not the one that should be providing it to them. And that happens all the time with people. So I, I, there could be an entire episode just devoted to that type of thing alone. But I'm not going to. But again, while we're removing Robert E. Lee uh, as being racist, we probably ought to remove people like Martin Luther King Jr. for the same reason. 
we had more race divide and more use of the word diversity under the eight years with President Obama than we did in the years prior to that, and we have since. Well, with the exception of, I mean, I'm talking about coming from the White House, but with the exception of the current administration, they're beginning to bring that back up again too, right? I mean, it's massive. It's, it's huge. Uh, maybe larger than the Obama administration was. And so it's, it's all there. But if we're going to talk about removing figures for those type of reasons, then we need to realistically look at this. And I do find it interesting that one of the one of the craziest things that I've, I've seen is that a lot, a lot, now with the exception of people like Robert E. Lee, a lot of these figures that they have banned over the last few years and removed from Capitol buildings and removed from lawns and parks and all these different things, is that most of these figures have actually turned out to be liberal people. Now, I'm going to chase a rabbit for a second. I think at the root of this, that's intentional. I think they want you to forget those figures, even though they were liberal representatives, because they don't want you to remember what they were, what they stood for was a liberal thought or was a Democrat Party stance. They don't want you to remember that, so they want to remove them from the history. <laughs> they want you to forget that, oh, by the way, this was a Democrat that created this. Just like they want you to believe that there was a party flip sometime in the early 20th century where the Democrats were Republicans and the Republicans can No, that's crap. I mean, it's, it's just it's lunacy. It did not happen. There were a handful of people that changed party, but the parties themselves did not flip. The Republican stance is the Republican stance that it has had since its introduction in the 1850s. Okay? There it is. And by the way, if, if it turns out the Republican Party existed earlier than that, please let me know that. But I do believe it was in the 1850s the Republican Party officially was launched. Lincoln was the first Republican candidate, first elected Republican, and so forth. Uh, and Democrats love, they love them some Lincoln. They do. They love having Lincoln in there. Although they, what they want to say is that Lincoln was their party back before it flipped. No, no. It's not true. Democrat Party... KKK party, they were pro-slavery. The Republican Party was anti-slavery. Okay, uh, always has been, always will be, um, and there's where we are. And the white-robed KKK that literally led down the middle of Times Square uh, during the 1930s Democratic Convention is the same party that today wears all black and calls themselves Antifa. They've just changed the color of the robe. That's all they've done. The hood has gone from white to black. That's all it is. Now, by the way, while we're looking at images that get removed, I mean, the majority of these figures that have been removed from the, the podiums of history around the nation uh, have turned out to be Democrat people or liberal agenda people. Uh, the same thing that goes with our marketing and all of our products. I mean, these figures that you're seeing disappear off of things. I mean, there's no longer Uncle Ben's rice. It is now just Ben's rice. It is no longer Aunt Jemima with a figure in there. It's just got uh, just the name or a cabin somewhere. And you no longer have land of lakes with an Indian, a Native American on the image. You just have a land of lakes. There is nobody in a canoe. Uh, the canoe has been abandoned. All you have is just a lake. So apparently the butter just churned itself. There was nobody doing any of the labor. Uncle Ben, Ben was just this faceless person that just worked somewhere, and we have no idea where the rice came from. Uh, Aunt Jemima, uh, she was just an aunt. Uh, we have no idea what her ethnicity was. Um, she was just, you know, an arbitrary figure. 
What's interesting is that all of these figures are removed from these items because we're told that it is racist marketing. But in reality, what's happening is all the black images that have been honored and loved throughout tradition in marketing have been removed. It's, it's racism. <laughs> it is racism, but it's not racism. They didn't remove it because it was racist. They're racist, so they removed it. You, you get it? They don't want to see black faces on their products. That, that's really what it is. It's, <laughs> it's, it's crazy, but that's what it is. They don't want to see ethnic images on the products that they, they have. But then they turn around and tell those people in that, whatever that ethnicity is, that we're doing it because we're supporting you because you were being downtrodden on uh, in this market. It's not. The, um, the Native American woman in the canoe in Land Lakes was being held up to a high standard. People looked for her on labels because they had come to trust the product and they liked the product. They looked at Aunt Jemima on the syrup container and they looked for this aunt because she was a loved traditional figure and they embraced her. Where is her syrup? We want her syrup. Uncle Ben, we want his rice because he looks like a good cook. Looks like a, 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 a somebody you'd want to sit down and have a meal with. These are the reasons that marketing worked. People didn't buy these products because, oh, well, hey, you know, I'm going to contribute to slavery by buying this Aunt Jemima. I'm going to grab her bottle up and I'm going to... No. They did it out of respect and honor for these figures. They became important parts of our American tradition. And the liberal mindset removed them from the products, telling us that they were racist to be there in the first place, but in reality, they're not removing any white people off of any of these boxes. See? <laughs> they're leaving the white marketing there, removing the black marketing from the items, and they're claiming they're the ones not being racist. They're the ones being anti-racist. In reality, they're the ones that are removing the black image from the marketing. Now, they want to put it on television, but they want to put it on television in an inter interracial method. See, they want to intermix the cultures in the families on television, in the commercials on television, just like they want to intermix the gay families in their marketing on television. They want that there. But they want to diminish the, the typical traditional historically accurate, the actual child-bearing male-female nuclear family. They want to remove that out of there. Um, yeah, they, they want a co-mingling. They don't want, which is ironic because it, it tells me kind of they're going to reach a stage again because they're doing this already. That they want to diversify everybody. I would imagine they're going to get to a point pretty soon where they're going to begin to isolate them again. You're going to find all black commercials and all white commercials. Or you won't find all white you just won't. You'll have interracial with white in there, okay, but interracial, or you'll have all black. You watch. That's where it's going to be. And, and to an extent, we're kind of there already. But that's the way it's going to be. That's really their way of separating. Now, they're not going to have all white. They're not going to go back to that. They won't have that. They, they want to somehow cohabitate all of that, okay? If they're going to throw white in there, white's going to be thrown in as the the required optional person of color 
so to speak, as it used to be where uh, they were arguing, well, we can't have an all-white program. We've got to have that, uh, you know, that obligatory uh, poster child black person in the scene. See, they, they did that in the 70s, particularly. Just Let's just throw a person of ethnicity, uh, different ethnicity, in into a program in order to keep from it being an all-white program. That was their method. Now what they're doing is they're going to do the same thing in reverse, and they're going to, have, they're going to throw the white person in there to keep it from being an all-black program. Now, they're not going to do any of that with Asians, not going to do any of that with any, any other groups. It's just going to be black versus white, and that's just the way that it is. That, that, that's the way they want to paint it. But again, the same people that are doing this are the same people removing black, from black people from the market itself. They're removing them from the labels. They're removing them from the historical traditions that are there. Uh, and they're doing that on purpose. Just like Planned Parenthood, they are intentionally controlling the population and treating them in a racist way while claiming that they're doing just the opposite and that the other group is actually being the racist. Okay, so moving on from that, uh, this kind of this jumps us back into the, the Texas event again, the Texas heartbeat bill. <clears throat> it's not just the liberal agenda that's, that's just all up in arms um, over this whole heartbeat bill. Apparently, the chief uh, defendant in this now that stepped into the ring and decided they're going to fight this battle too because it is uh, for our religious freedom. This is the irony of For our religious freedom, the satanic temple is now getting involved in the Texas heartbeat law. Yes, the Satanists have now officially come in and they said they are going to side, they're going to stand side by side and fight this fight uh, to get abortion back uh, in its full swing here in Texas. So, the Democratic Party, the liberal agenda, is now officially openly linked arms in arm with the Satanic Church over the issue of abortion. Now, I'm going to step on some church figures now. So explain to me, honestly, you Christians who claim that you're Christian and you are Democrat. Explain to me how you justify that. Your party now has, as an arm-in-arm -arm advocate, co-warrior with you, now has the Satanic Temple as a friend officially out in the open unapologetically and explain to me again how you can claim that you are a Bible-leaving Christian and you are a member of and a supporter of the Democrat Party platform. Moving on to California. Larry Elder. Okay, he is... Uh, for all purposes of everything that I'm seeing and reporting, he is basically winning out there in California uh, in his bid for governor. He is creating a major threat, apparently, for Gavin Newsom to the point that they're calling out what they consider their big their big wigs, uh, both Biden and 
uh, Harris, which is ironic that those two are the ones that are out there in California campaigning for Newsom, and you've got Pelosi doing the same thing, and you've got others. You know, it's like wow, they're all getting out there, jumping on there, trying to help save Gavin Newsom's job. And Gavin Newsom himself has even admitted that if you don't get out there and vote no on the recall, Larry Elder is going to be your next governor. He said it. I mean, maybe not exactly in those words, that sentence, but he said that phrase in some way. He said that if you don't go out there and you don't vote no in the recall, Elder is going to be your governor. Elder is going to win. He knows it. And the Californians know it. And I'm not hearing a whole lot of people, and I've got a few liberal fans out there, and I, I, I try my best to still love on them. They don't communicate with me very much, but I try to love on them. And I'm, I'm seeing things from some of them. It's like I'm seeing they're starting to post things from Breitbart, or they're beginning to post stuff from the Blaze TV, you know. <laughs> or they're, you know, they're beginning to make comments about how, you know, this isn't really working the way it should, and Afghanistan was mishandled, the border is a mess, the economy is in bad shape. Uh, they haven't come out and admitted that they regret voting for Biden, but they're pretty close. Um, but there are still a few of them that still say we need to make sure we keep Newsom, and uh, and so they're fools. They they don't. And I love them. Okay, I can love a fool, but they don't get it. They don't understand it, and uh, and it's a shame that they don't. It really is. Um, but they're so used to the level of ineptitude that they've had in their leadership for so long. They're scared to death of change. I don't know what they think Larry Elder is going to come in there and do that's going to devastate their state any more than any of these other governors have done for them in the last few decades. I mean, really, honestly, I would think that if you're in California at this point, you should be willing to say, you know what, let's just give somebody else a shot and just see. I mean, honestly, you would think that they would. You see how bad things are. You pay a dollar and fifty to two dollars or more per gallon of gas more than anywhere else in the United States except maybe Hawaii, which is a very liberal state too, so I mean, it's kind of the same concept. But I mean, you, you pay more for the stuff there. You're pretty much the only state where when you try to go to your beaches, your huge tourism area, and you have to step over the human bodies or the human feces in order to even get to the beach, I mean, have you fallen in love with the smell of crap? Are you you become just used to and, and appreciate and somehow enamored by the, the view of needles in your streets? Do you like the fact that you're having to close up your public parks and your common areas because too many vagrants are living there and there's too much waste going on? I mean, is that... I mean, really... Okay, you, you tell us all the time that, you know what, it's, it's just four years. You'll be fine. Well, let's tell you the same thing. It's, it's just a term. Okay? Give another governor a shot and see if it gets any better. Is that really so crazy? I mean, how much worse could your state get? I mean, really? So why not just give it a shot and see if maybe somebody else might have a few ideas that might clean up your streets a little bit better? Wouldn't you like to have your beaches back? Wouldn't you like to have less threat of wildfires hitting your neighborhood? I mean, really, wouldn't you like to see that a little bit? 
Don't you get tired of having fires year-round in your state? Don't you get tired of human feces and needles in your streets? Don't you get tired of looking, quite honestly, like inner-city Chicago or Brooklyn? And, I, and in some cases, both of those cities, I'm probably insulting them. They're probably in better shape. Years ago, I visited San Diego, and I loved San Diego. It was beautiful. But from what I hear, it's hard to find beaches there that are still the beaches that I remembered when I was there because it's almost all ridden with homeless people and crap. But please, explain to me again how what you currently have is better than any other possible solution. You're losing people to the tune of millions a year that are leaving your state to go somewhere else, meaning commerce is dropping in your state. Hollywood. You're not even filming in Hollywood now. You're filming in Canada. You would film in the U.S., but every time you move to a pretty location in the U.S., you get offended by the local politics, which is ironic. You want everybody to put up with the California politics, but you won't put up with the conservatism in a, in a state that you want to film in that doesn't have people all over the place for you. Well, you can still film without having to remove a hundred homeless people out of the shot. Or you don't have to have poop scoopers in order to clean up an area for you to do a five-minute presentation somewhere. But you can't move to another beautiful part of the United States without personally being offended by the conservative politics that are there, and then you end up destroying that environment for yourself too. So you end up in Canada. So please tell me again how your situation is going to be that much worse by letting a conservative in there for a little while, a true conservative. I'm talking about a transgender one like Caitlyn Jenner, okay, or a rhino like Schwarzenegger. I'm talking about a real true conservative. Let them in there, see what happens. I mean, you put up with four years with Trump, put up with a few years with a, with a governor in your own state and see if anything changes. See if your gas prices drop. See if your streets clean up a little bit. See if your tourism returns a little bit. See if people want to move back into your community and actually provide income back into your local businesses there. See if that works. Give it a shot. And if it doesn't, you know what? <laughs> to use your own terms, if you don't like it, just vote him out. If you don't like what he does, come next election, vote him out. That's the whole reason there's a recall in California right now. You realize that, right? There are Californians that are tired of the governing that Newsom is doing, and so they want to recall him as the, as the, the governor. They're doing the same thing. You would have the same option with Larry Elder. What have you got to lose? I mean, really, honestly, what have you got to lose? So there's that. And I know I'm going long. I've got I'm, I'm down, down to one page, and I don't know if I'm going to cover them all or not. I am going to cover this part, okay? Um, Google has online training for their employees. They have training sessions where they are now teaching their Google employees that children as young as three months old can be and are already racist. Now, how they determine this in a three-month-old, I have no real idea, and you don't want, truthfully, they don't either. They're just making it up. 
next item. I, I'm, I'm going to cover some of these really quick because the big one I want to cover will take a little bit more time, I bet. But the next one, Biden has now claimed, <laughs> this is new, Biden has now claimed that tornadoes apparently aren't called tornadoes anymore. Yeah, in, in a statement about the tornadoes, he said, yeah, I know we don't call them that anymore. I don't know what he thinks that we call tornadoes now instead of tornadoes. I'm not really sure. But this is the same guy that tells you, I can't talk about that. They've told me I can't talk about that. So somebody else is running the show for him anyway. But apparently he's been told by somebody that tornadoes are actually called something else now. They're not called tornadoes. And I guess somebody somewhere has determined that the term tornado is racist in some way, I guess. I don't know. But anyway, but he has now come out and actually claimed, you know, well, tornadoes, they're not called that anymore. Uh, Pelosi again claiming Mother Nature is not happy with us, and that's the reason why all this devastation is happening where it's happening at. I, you know, back in the Northeast or on the West Coast, you know, it's hitting those areas. Now, I am not going to go out there and jump out there and, and, and make any kind of claims with what I'm about to say. I'm just indicating an observation, and I know that weather patterns change around the world on a regular basis. And there are hurricanes and tornadoes going on all over the earth throughout the year. They move and shift according to the different seasons in those areas of the earth. They've always done that since we've been here to record it, and they probably always will. However, Pelosi is convinced that because the hurricanes are hitting the northeast and they're hitting the west coast, that Mother Nature is not happy with us and that that's what's happening. Now, here's what's interesting about that. I made a comment during the summer, actually it's pre-summer, when you started hearing the reports of the east and west coast were burning up already. The temperatures were at record high and they saw huge heat waves on the east and west coast where central United States and central America the Midland, Mid-America, that used to be hit with massive heat waves didn't get as massive, or at least not as long. It wasn't summer long. We didn't have a record high August kind of stuff. We didn't have, you know, 45 days of 100 plus degree weather here in Texas. It wasn't that kind of a thing. We had a milder, compared to what we've had in the past, we had a milder summer here in Mid-America. We had a huge heat wave on the coastlines, and then we had a minor heat wave where we normally get the major heat wave. And then now you get these storms, and the storms come in, and the hurricane comes in along the Louisiana coastline, or it runs its way or, you know, across Florida and through and everything, and it ends up jumping up, and it ends up up in the northeast, and have, gives them record flooding. Devastates them up there. Now, it is interesting, Nancy Pelosi calls it Mother Nature, but I, I kind of it kind of want to wink and say, hmm, I don't know, it's kind of funny. The heat wave is hitting the liberal portions of the United States, and now the flooding is hitting the liberal portions of the United States. Hmm. California is waking up to what's going on, and they're trying to recall some of the stuff that's going on over there, so they're not getting hit as hard as they used to get hit with some of this stuff. But it, it is almost kind of like there's a divine intervention going on here, and the liberal areas of the nation are being hit where conservative values aren't being hit as hard. And I know, I'm just being facetious. I don't believe that's really what's happening. I don't think God is altering the weather patterns to attack portions of the of the planet uh, because of political reasons. I don't believe that. I'm not saying that. I'm just joking about it. 
just find it interesting. If Pelosi can say that Mother Nature is doing this, then I can certainly turn around and say that God is doing it. And we can both not be telling the truth uh, at the same time. Okay, getting back to San Francisco again. I'm not trying to, to beat California down a little bit, but, you know, San Francisco is San Francisco, and it's kind of got its craziness. But now, one of their things now is that they are now wanting to pay people $300 a month. It's kind of funny. Isn't it funny how 300 just seems to be this number? We added 300 to the to the unemployment checks, right, for COVID relief. Now we want to add $300 to, um, in San Francisco. We want to pay citizens, they call them, they're really gang members, okay, criminals, they want to pay them $300 a month to not shoot other people, okay? So their new push now is, here's our anti-crime bill. We're going to pay the criminals to not shoot each other. Yeah. I've already seen, no lie, I've already seen reports from people going, you know what? I really didn't see a life of crime in my future, but if San Francisco is going to pay me to not shoot people, maybe I can find a way to profit from this. So there are going to be people that are going to report, you know, I almost shot this person in the store, but I didn't. So I'd like to know how they're going to do this. Is it going to be kind of like like a like the unemployment, where you know every two weeks you have to report in on you know did you look for a job, were you able to work? You know, were you available to work? Did you turn down anything? I wonder if they could go, you know, were you at a situation where you could have robbed somebody or you could have shot someone? Um, did you avoid shooting someone this week? If you did, how many times did you avoid shooting? Uh, at least three? Okay. Um, all right. Yeah, I can see what it is. So you qualify. And then I could, I could see where they would go. Well, you know, you need to be prepared in case we decide to audit you. We may want to ask for documentation on this. So you may want to video the moment that you thought you were going to shoot somebody and then you didn't. Now, am I being ludicrous? Or is San Francisco being ludicrous for wanting to pay people $300 a month so they won't shoot people? I guess that's not any crazier than making... Uh, drug zones where people can have free needles and uh, can shoot up, I guess. That's not any different. Okay, Secretary of State Blinken. I could pretty much stop there and it would be a joke in itself, but uh, Secretary of State Blinken is now worried that the new Taliban, the new government, which is full of criminals, okay, full of terrorists and all this kind of stuff, we know that at least four of the people released by, during the Obama administration are now in leadership in the Taliban, right? But he is concerned that the new Taliban government might not have enough women involved in its leadership. And, of course, it doesn't help that the local women there are trying to protest about women not being in their government, and then they're literally, by with the show of firearms, being silenced uh, but, you know, that's none of our business, apparently. We're just so much better off uh, having left the way that we did so that the Taliban could have control because they obviously know how to treat people equally. But Blinken is concerned that there aren't enough women in the new Taliban government. Hmm. The next step beyond that, once they are able to determine that women are somehow equally being represented as, as terrorists, their next step then is to make sure that uh, enough members of the homosexual community are being represented in the Taliban. That's going to be their next their next take on it. Okay, then you have Jimmy Kimmel. 
You have Jimmy Kimmel, who came out on his late night program, and I don't watch any of his late night programs. If there's anything that I watch at night, seriously, if I'm going to watch a somewhat uh, quasi-political, humorous program uh, at late night, it's going to be Greg uh, Gutfeld's show. I mean, I, I do admit that, and there are very few things that I'll watch on Fox at all anymore. I was already beginning to wane before the election. Uh, election night pretty much sealed it in for me as far as me watching Fox and uh, and the way they cover things. I will watch Tucker, and even then I don't watch him on a regular basis, but I will tune in occasionally to watch Tucker. Um, I, I do believe that he seems to have more of a... A representation of a conservative values than the others do on there, uh, and again, I could have an entire episode dedicated to the whole issue of the demise of, the, of conservative news. But if I want to watch any kind of late night thing, it's certainly not going to be Jimmy Kimmel. But Jimmy Kimmel made the comment apparently recently, and this is one of the reasons why I don't watch people like this. They're so full of themselves. He is now indicating that he believes that the ICU beds should only be made available for the vaccinated. And that the rest of them should rest in peace, Wheezy. So if you're having ventilation issues but you never got vaccinated, according to Jimmy Kimmel, he believes that the ICU should not be available to you. In other words, your life's not worth saving, and uh, and so just rest in peace. In other words, I hope you die uh, because you haven't been vaccinated. Now, again, the irony in this is that if you've been vaccinated, you're supposed to be somehow protected from being in the ICU for COVID-related events. However, the ICUs are being overflooded. According to the liberal media, the ICUs are being overwhelmed with COVID cases that are previously vaccinated people. Hmm. So maybe maybe Kimmel's right, really. The, the ICUs do need to be for the vaccinated because they're the ones that actually that are at the larger threat right now than the unvaccinated. But God forbid that you're an unvaccinated person, you have a legitimate need to be in the ICU because according to people like Jimmy Kimmel, you should rather go over in a corner somewhere and die rather than be given an ICU bed. The compassion is, is just overwhelming. Now, my last item, saved it for last, is uh, it's kind of a general item, really, as far as it's not a particular moment in news. It is news in general coming out of this location, and it is Australia. Australia is, from all the reports that I'm seeing, it has got to be the scariest country on the planet right now, currently, that we're hearing major news about. Now, I'm not talking about because of wars, and, and I mean, there's violence in that way. I'm talking about as far as the structure of the system and the freedoms of the people being completely just removed. Australia is the scary point right now in the year 2021, it is it is the place that you're watching in real time, you're watching people's freedoms be completely removed from them almost on an hourly basis. Um, their Prime Minister comes out and does reports on a regular basis, and I could play audio from him, uh, and I may do that in a future episode. Uh, the guy comes out and honestly just says, if you're unvaccinated, you're not going to have any freedoms. There's going to be a point where you're not going to be able to participate in the market if you're unvaccinated, if you're not a part of this structure. They're going around and they are telling people that you have to download an app that tells the system, the government, exactly where you are at any given moment. If they randomly connect with you and ask you where you are located and the app indicates that you are not where they believe that you should be, then you are in violation of some kind of law. 
So they're literally putting people on, uh, they're giving people the ankle bracelet through their cell phone uh, <clears throat> as an indication of a lack of freedom. Both Brad Hazan, and I, I may be pronouncing his last name wrong and, and really don't care, uh, and Dr. Kerry Chant, they both have come out. They're both health officials that have come out recently, and both of them have indicated in their health notices that the New World Order, and those are the terms they both have used, that the New World Order is going to require this or that, and it's talking about the limitations put on people. Okay. Now, for those of you that don't know the origins of the nation of, Is of Australia, Australia was a British colony in its early days. Now, I'm not going to say it's always been that way. No, it ended up being conquered by Britain. Okay, I'm sure there were people there before. The aboriginals were there before Britain showed up. They come in and they take over the continent and turn it into a penal colony. Penal colony meaning it became a place where they sent people for prison related. If Britain conquered you and you were their enemy, you were considered violent or aggressive against British means, then you were sent to Australia as a punishment. Was, the entire continent was intended to be uh, a prison. And then eventually it became its own governing body and uh, gained its own level of freedom to an extent and then now here we are in the 21st century and the, the people are being returned back to a penal colony. They really are. I mean, it's not the whole nation, but it's, it's major portions of it. It's enough of it that it's scary. These people are losing freedoms. Like I said, literally on an hourly basis, you can tune in to the news that's going on down there, and these people do not have access to the liberties that they should have access to. And I'm not talking about liberties that a government gives you. I'm talking about just natural human liberties. The freedom to move about in your country should be a liberty for yourself. You should be allowed to be able to get into a car or walk or bike or fly or whatever anywhere within your nation and uh, and be allowed to to visit, to commingle, to do things, to interact. And yet they're telling people they'll know if you're not at home or you're not within the vicinity of your home and we randomly contact you and you're not there, you're you're breaking the law. It's a form of house arrest. Why? Um, and it's not just vaccinated versus unvaccinated. It's just in general, really, in a lot of ways. And a lot of it does is being streamlined, particularly if you've been vaccinated, you have freedoms for this, or you will have freedoms for this. But if you're not vaccinated, you won't. Which is ironic, again, considering that most of the people that are being hospitalized right now, meaning with violent cases of this COVID stuff, regardless of what variant it is, that most of them are people who have been vaccinated at least with one shot, if not two or more. In fact, the more vaccines they take, the higher their emergency situation seems to be when it comes to them ending up with a form of COVID. It becomes more extreme. The more violent cases are coming from people who have been vaccinated more than once. And yet it's the vaccinated people that are being given the liberty to move about. They're the ones coming down with the violent versions of this stuff, meaning they're the ones that should be isolated. But they're given freedoms while the unvaccinated are told you need to remain in place or you're not going to be able to contribute to the local markets, meaning food. We're going to cut you off from your ability to interact with the rest of society because you've chosen not to put your health at risk with a vaccine, which the CDC is now saying 
only kind of kind of helps stimulate your immune response. It doesn't actually create immunity. In fact, it may actually put you at a higher risk for it than you had before. But you've got to com comply. So it has nothing to do with your health and it has nothing to do with your safety. It has to do completely with control. And this is something that you've observed since roughly the mid to late January of 2020 and you've seen it escalate now in September of 21 to this point. And I say all that to say, and people still don't believe that the seven years mentioned in tribulation as defined by the revelation of Jesus Christ and the Holy Scripture of the one true God It's amazing. I mean, we. These are the limits that are going to happen. Those seven years are going to be real seven years, folks. Because you see, it doesn't take that long for devastation of massive amounts to take place. Humans can be subjugated very quickly. And you're discovering that just since the beginning of last year. Then you add on top of that any kind of other natural disasters that may happen. Again, I'm not saying taking the shot is... I'm not equating it with with uh, taking the mark. I think it's the same kind of thing. I mean, in the sense that it's spoken of in Scripture as being, if you don't have it, you won't be able to deal in commerce. You won't be able to take part in the market and uh, things of that. I, I understand that. It has marked, no pun intended, similarities to the mark mentioned in Revelation. But I don't think the vaccine is the mark. But I do believe that it is a precursor. It's, it's an indication for those that are here, that are willing to listen and hear it, that this is exactly how easy it's going to be. And for many people, many people, people within your own home, it's going to be completely painless for them to just subjugate to it. They're going to give into it willingly, and they're going to look at you and, and think of you as the one who is the outcast. They're going to see you as the evil one. They're going to see you as the person who's defying what they should do. You're going to be the outcast. Those of you that stand up against the mark when the day happens are going to be the outcast. You're going to be seen as the fool. You're going to be seen as the, uh, the perpetrator of the devastation of life. You can be blamed for everything that happens both in nature and in mankind during those seven years. You're going to be the ones that are guilty of causing this thing to come upon us. And you can understand now why or how that's going to happen. I remember as a child reading that thinking, how, how are people going to... Why would they not just... How would they not see that? Why would they not just stand up for it? Well, they won't. The vast majority of people won't. Because just like they, the vast majority won't stand... I mean, you'll, you'll have people like today that are still fighting the vaccines, but a lot of them are fighting it just because they don't like vaccines, or they're fighting it because of what they see around them. They're not fighting it for a spiritual reason. See, they're fighting it because they don't see the common sense in it. They don't see where the science adds up. They don't see where... All they see is devastation in it, and all they see is high risk. They don't see where it helps. 
but you literally cut off commerce from people and it will then become an issue of am I going to feed my family or am I going to or am I going to stand against the science See, most of them they'll be fighting that battle and they'll give in to it and go well you know what I completely disagree with it it's a huge risk to take it but so is a risk of watching my family starve so rather than watching them starve I will let them have the shot or I'll take the shot people will do it in order to they'll sacrifice their own assumed safety medically in order to provide for their family so for many of them it won't be you know this right now currently it's not a spiritual thing for them for many many people it's not that it's it's a patriotic thing for them it is that because right now patriotism is their religion see it's about your freedoms right and freedom doesn't really have anything to do with your spiritual conviction it, it, it's it's something else um, and, and there are people that would argue against that but what I mean by that is that it is um, right now you're fighting for your rights under a constitution or your rights as a human being you're not fighting for your stance in your belief and your support in, and your worship and loyalty to a sovereign God see most people aren't fighting this stuff right now because of their devotion to God they're fighting it right now because of their devotion to what they believe is human rights under a constitution see in those seven years it will then become a fight for what is your stance when it comes to a supreme God will you stand on the side of God or will you give in to the system in order to protect your family and you're going to be told you're protecting your family by doing it and you're going to find that out of a group of ten people I would estimate eight or nine of them will give in to the system overstanding their ground I do believe that the numbers aren't that high now but they're not literally watching people starve to death in the homes around them they're not in their situation in their home where they've been cut off from society and they are not able to buy food or to produce food for their family when they get to that state they are going to want to go and go you know what I can't do this I can't I can't literally let my family die so I'm going to give in to it. Eight to nine out of ten will give in to that. The question is, are you the one or two? Or are you the eight or nine? And you may not even know that really for certain yourself. I mean, I, I, this is all hypothetical right now. But when those seven years begin and the, the physical devastation begins to happen on the earth, you're no longer thinking about jobs anymore. See, see, when when you, when you have a third of the oceans die and, and, and a third of vegetation, a third of animal life die, and, and you know, a third of the human population pass away, when all those kind of things happen, you you do realize that at that point you're no longer going to a day-to-day -day job. <laughs> Your life is not based on a nine-to-five. We will no longer be looking at life that way. See, you won't be just going to bed at night and getting in the next day and commuting to work and doing your... You won't be doing that. You won't be going to an office. Life will have changed. You won't be living life that way anymore. See, 
<laughs> life will drastically change during those seven years. And instead of you going to a job, your life will be either you get things from the government system or work for it. If you do have a job, your job will be working for the government, distributing out food and supplies to the masses that are left. It will become one large soup kitchen. I think you'll get to a point where you don't even have nations anymore. You just have, this is where people gather where they can find supplies to survive. And the systems that are there, the local systems that are there, will provide to you if you comply to their demands. If you don't, then you will be turned away. And then eventually it will be because you have not submitted your loyalty to the Antichrist, to the world religion. And the world religion will take the form of politics as well as church. Again, eight or nine out of every ten may not gladly do it, but they will give in to it. And that one or two may not live a very long life, but if they honestly stand up and say, No, I am a child of Jesus Christ, He is my Savior, and it is to Him that I commit my loyalty, not to you, you may find yourself being removed from your head. Or you may find yourself in a room watching your loved ones die around you. And it will be extremely difficult. And until that day arrives, none of us can actually say that they will stand their ground. We can say what well, we want to believe that we will do, but don't, we don't really know until that moment happens. And for most of us, I hope that we don't experience that. I, I hope I am not here at that point. But I may be. Now, you've already begun to see it. You're going to start seeing more of it uh, over the next couple of days, especially on Saturday. The television, social media, all of it will be just overwhelming with 9-11-based content. And you're going to see conspiracy stuff about how it's fraudulent. You're going to see support stuff and, and tear-jerking stories on it. And hopefully there will be no kind of domestic, national, you know, international uh, tragedies that will occur on or around the event. I do understand that I've heard that there is a claim, a scuttlebutt that is out there that uh, the Taliban may create their own form of a celebration on 9-11. Uh, that may be just purely gossip, but it wouldn't surprise me. But uh, you will see the equivalent of that here in the United States with people who claim they love the nation who will be trash-talking the United States through the entire day. And they're going to want to blame certain figures. You're going to try to blame Bush. You're going to hear that. You're going to hear some of that going on. 9-11 um, took place at the beginning of Bush's term, but it did not get started and planned under Bush. It was started beyond that. It was before that. Um, so the issues are not about you know who's complicit in whatever. We have a corrupt system. And the corrupt system led to 9-11 happening. I do believe that. Now, who all is actually responsible? I mean, on the big picture of it, 
we still don't know for sure and we never really will and honestly it really doesn't even matter and I'm not saying the lives that were lost isn't the, nearly the 3,000 people that we lost on that day and then the thousands that we've lost in troops since then I'm not saying that they it didn't matter that it does matter the human lives that were lost matter but it doesn't matter who caused it somebody was going to do it something was going to happen I mean just like right now with Afghanistan um these flags happen, these events happen, people die, innocent people die, and it's done for a reason to distract, to pull away from, uh, to try to trigger certain things in us, uh, a certain level of compliance, and you have to remember that the results of 9-11 were the Patriot Act and a lot of things since then that have taken massive freedoms away from us, and the surveillance of American citizens on American soil and private property have massively escalated because of the events of 9-11. The event itself was a tragedy, but it was used to take away freedoms. I get sad every year at 9-11 because of the loss of the people in those buildings who had absolutely no idea that their lives were about to end. And the people on the airplanes and the stories of the children. Uh, I already saw one today about you know the youngest child that was on, a, on her way to Disneyland on that flight and had been in the air for about an hour when the plane itself had been hijacked and it's tragic it is tragic um, there's tragedy that happens every day in our neighborhoods there's tragedy that happens every day on, on the earth and uh, and we ignore most of them it's the big ones that we pay attention to and they want us paying attention to the big ones because they want us to ignore the small ones the ones that actually affect you personally they want you to ignore those because there's something bigger that they want to distract you from. Maybe they want to distract you from the $2.3 trillion that goes missing in the government funds somewhere on the day before an event happens. Or they want to distract you from audit results that are about to be released that are going to show that there was massive levels of corruption in an election period. Uh, maybe they just want to distract you from the realities of the criminal activity that is going on and the people that you've trusted and so forth. There's all kinds of reasons why those things happen and those are not conspiracy theories. Those are conspiracies that we're finding more and more are actually conspiracy facts. And yet we do nothing about it. We can do nothing about it. We can be aware of the events that happen but it doesn't change them actually from happening. The things that are going on in Australia right now are preventable. The people can uprise, the people can fight back, but the people aren't. Some are, but not enough of them are. And so how Australia turns out is going to be a major, a major thing to observe. But really what you're seeing more than anything is you're being given in real time an example of how quick the devastation and control of society happens or will happen. And this is your time to be reminded of all of that and realize the end is very near. And if you're not right with the Lord, if you're not read up in His Word, and you're not prayed up, and you're not reading His Word directly rather than people's commentary on it, you're going to be caught up in the wave of the things that are coming, and you won't really see it happening until it's too late. That's really the reason why I post some of what I post. It really is. I know that my audience is massively smaller than it used to be back when I used to post all the conspiracy theories under the Q stuff. I know that. 
I know I've lost tens of thousands, if not millions of people that used to see my posts. I'm aware of that. I'm starting over again. But I'm starting over again from a stance that I firmly understand is God's bidding. And my audience will be small. The only way it will grow at all is through God's blessing, which is going to be through you passing that information on to other people and saying, you know what, I know this guy's kind of a small local. He doesn't have many people following him right now. But, you know, he seems to be trying to tell the truth about things, and you might want to give him a lesson. And you know what, if you've got an opportunity to you know, give him a buck here or there, that would be helpful too. And that's really all I'm asking. If you can do a buy me a coffee, throw me a buck. If you can be really nice and throw me five bucks a month, support me on a monthly basis, one cup of coffee, uh, it can help me make sure that this continues to happen. And if you can't, you know, God bless you, I understand that too. Truth is, I can't turn around and do that for other people right now. So uh, I could understand if you couldn't do it for me. But if you can, if uh, if one cup of coffee, regardless of where your coffee house is, if one cup of coffee a month, you can give up and you can pass it on to to what I'm trying to do here, it, it will go appreciated. Anyway, I've said it every time, and I will continue to do this. I'm praying for y'all. I, uh, I do love y'all. Many of you have become good friends. And uh, I just want you to know that I am going to try and be here as often and as transparently as I can be uh, going forward as long as the Lord will allow me. Thank you. This has been long. I know it has been. I appreciate you uh, giving me the opportunity. For those of you who have been watching, I hope that what you're seeing uh, is worth passing forward on to other people. If you're just listening to me, please, again, pass it on. If you have an opportunity to go to my website and contribute in some way or watch some of the previous videos and pass those on, those are appreciated as well. Till next time, God bless.